Hello, dear friends and partners. This is Jesse Schreck with Practical Missions Cohort, episode number 241 today. This is a sermon from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, this is a sermon that was preached uh, from the fourth chapter, last section, for our brothers and sisters at the New Life Church in Vicenza here in Italy, brothers and sisters serving the U.S. Army stationed here in Italy. Dear folks, we love them, appreciate them very much. And we're able to take these messages, also record them, and uh, make them available for our ministry partners as well uh, to be encouraged and to be blessed. In this passage, we see the famous scenario when Jesus is on the boat sleeping. The disciples encounter a terrible storm. They're in fear for their lives. They question Jesus, why he doesn't care. And then they find out he does care more than they can comprehend. This is God himself in their midst, their Redeemer, their Savior, their Lord. Another passage, uh, another part of this passage that is also very important to understand is the truth that Though this was a terrible storm that they were encountering, uh, the storm of God the Father's wrath is far more severe. And that storm, Jesus Christ took upon himself when he went on the cross in our place to die for our sins and to save us from the wrath of God the Father. God bless you as you tune in today. But today we enter uh, again in the Gospel of Mark. We'll look at the last section of chapter 4 into a very real and intense drama. And again, this is often the case as we go through the book of Mark, as he presents the gospel of Jesus Christ to us, the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, his words, his preaching, his ministry, uh, very dramatic. But today we're right there with the heart-beating, tear-bringing kind of passage that just leaves us in awe. And we're going to look at that, we're going to see how, uh, in the end, also some valuable lessons that we can take from this passage for those of us following Jesus Christ in this world full of circumstances, full of trials, full of uncertainties. Valuable lessons for us to take hold of. It came to mind uh, during worship this morning also of a a film, before we enter and and read our text for today, a film called Black Hawk Down. Are you guys familiar with that film? It's been years now since it's passed. But I remember seeing it and I was very much touched. It actually brought me to tears. It was in my early days as a missionary. There's this one scene where one of the, you guys know these terms better about who's generals and all this kind of stuff, lieutenants, but there was one important guy there on the, on the field serving, and he's been in this hostile context for so long that literally, literally he walks out in the middle of the street, bullets are just flying by him, he's talking, giving orders to his guys who are trembling and shaking because it's all new to them, but he's been doing this a long time and it doesn't phase him. He's been in the battle for a while. And when I first saw that, it it literally brought me to tears because I was fighting the good fight, spending myself for Jesus Christ, doing things that before to me were absolutely impossible. And it just choked me up just watching that scene. But lately I've been mindful of of something that happens on the other end of that. It's good for us to, to not be fearful in this life, to be fully convinced we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His property. What can man do to us? We belong to Him. He will carry us till the end. No worries, go strong, go hard, fulfill your call. But something that can happen if you're in battle long enough, if you're fighting the good fight, is you can be used to that, you can be walking in it, but at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, any little thing can then push you over the edge. You can be doing it so long that all of a sudden, one small little thing happens that could have been insignificant before, but it's enough to knock the domino over, to take you out. And I think of that when I think of missions, and I think of missions in Italy as well, because it's true, sadly and crazily, that 90% of the long-term missionaries that come into this land here, this one called Italy, 
within just four years, they find themselves out of here. And those who stick around longer often experience that being pushed over the edge. One small thing to the average person all of a sudden is enough to derail you, to push you off the track, and people become atheists, people go crazy, people do all kinds of crazy stuff. Missionaries, solid men of God. It can happen. It can happen. Little things can show up all of a sudden and push us over the edge. And I say that because as we look at our passage today, this, this experience on the boat, we'll see something here is also very dramatic and one of those kind of moments that can push us over the edge. Let's pray and then we'll read our text. Father God, we, we thank you for this moment as we come together, corporately together, to hear your word. We thank you that your word is alive. Your word is active, powerful, penetrating to reach our soul, to transform us from within. And I don't think we need to say it, Lord, all of us this morning, this week, these days, it seems, have experienced different levels of drama in our life, sensations of being overwhelmed, sensations perhaps even of despair. I myself found myself in the hospital, Lord, as you know, hearts beating erratically, different things happening. A supporter in the ministry is on his, taking his last breaths in this moment. All kinds of things are happening, Lord, around us. We are still in a context, and it's a fallen world, and, uh, and we're living for you, Jesus. But there are circumstances. So renew our hearts this morning, I pray. Help us to be still. Help us to be calm. And as I speak, Lord, surely many words will be spoken, but my prayer is that your Spirit would speak to every heart in this room at least one word. And one word from you, Lord, is enough to transform our lives forever. Help me to communicate according to your will, Lord, clearly and effectively. Help each of us to have a heart sensitive to the voice of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 4, Gospel of Mark, verse 35, until the end. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern... Jesus, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? He was ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to walk through the text a little bit, grab hold of the context, some of the other things going on in this scene, and then we're going to arrive to those six lessons for us who follow Jesus Christ. Six lessons to be a faithful disciple 
in this world full of circumstances, trials, and difficulties. Verse 35, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Again, Mark is revealing to us the ministry of Jesus Christ, the greatest missionary to set foot on this planet, Jesus Christ himself. From heaven he came, down to earth, just looking at earth for him, full of sinful people like you and like me, was challenging. But he entered in. Joe reminded us this morning of God's great mercy. He came in, he entered his creation, here in our midst, living in our place, fulfilling the law of God, and fulfilling in this case here, as we see, his ministry. He's busy. He finished a long day of teaching. He finished a long day of doing miraculous things. And he says, let us go across to the other side. I want us to remember this morning an important lesson right away. Jesus, he has the agenda. Jesus has the plan. He's not at the whim of all the people. He's not persuaded by people what he needs to do and what he doesn't need to do. On more than one occasion, the people said, Jesus, stick around. We have this and this for you to do. What was his reply? I came to preach the word. Other people need to hear. I have sheep that need to be saved. I can't stick around. I have to go on to other towns as well. Remember that when you consider your life as you live for your Lord, as you live for your Savior, as you live for your Redeemer. He has the plan. It's good, it's right. We need to plan. We need to have vision for our life, God-given vision, why you're still here, what your purpose is, what role you play in the Lord's church, and you need to be active in pursuing that, spending yourself for the Lord, making plans, godly plans, but we always need to be submissive to the will of God, knowing He has the perfect plan, the ultimate plan. And the great thing here as well is He's, he's not making this plan up as He goes. Jesus, our Lord, our God, is not learning anything new ever. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, omniscient. He's not learning anything new. He has one plan, and He's unfolding it every single day. And the challenges and the difficulties and the struggles you and I are facing today also play a purpose, a valuable purpose in His plan. Let's remember that today. It's not in vain if you're a Christian, your difficulty, your struggle. There's no uh, vain part of that. It's, it's serving a purpose. It really is. You need it, what you're going through right now. It's making you stronger. Let us go across to the other side. He has the plan. They're moving forward. Verse 36, we read, leaving the crowd. There is a time in life you need to leave people behind. There's a time in life when you need to send people away. We see that in, in chapter 6 of Mark. He sends the people away. He's got a plan. They leave the crowd in this case, and they took, it, they took him with them. The disciples took Jesus with, him, with them in the boat. And it's interesting to consider, they're taking him with, with them. But we all know it's the opposite way, actually. God is in control, and he's bringing us with him. He's the master. We're the disciples. We're following after. We are in the school of Christ, if we've come to him as Lord and Savior. We're in the school of Christ. We're following He's before you, He is with you, and He's unfolding all things. You're in His boat. But in any case here, they took Him in the boat just as He was. In other words, they didn't make any further preparations. They didn't gather stuff together. We're done. Let's get in the boat, and we're moving forward. Verse 37, a great windstorm arose. 
great, a mega windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat. Here's the real drama, the intense drama, that feeling of helplessness, that feeling of despair, when your heart is pounding, when the tears are coming out, uh, when you don't know what to do, when you're wet in this case, when there's uh, loud noise from wind, all these kinds of things. This is the drama that they're facing now. A great windstorm arose. And it wouldn't be uncommon in this particular context, in this sea, in this landscape, for windstorms to all of a sudden arise. It's not uncommon. But it is more uncommon that at nighttime this would happen. Typically it was calm at night in this particular sea, and that's the reason why many fishermen would go out in the night, in the calm, to do their fishing. But in any case, whether God caused this storm to happen for this very specific purpose, whether it just happened, we do know, in any case, God decrees all that comes to pass. But a storm, a very real storm here, did arise. Very real terror, anxiety, fear for your life is upon the disciples in this moment. And we'll consider that in more detail when we come to our lessons in just a moment. The boat was already filling. Water in the boat. Once the water's there, what else can you do? You can drill a hole in the boat to let the water out, but then more water would come in. They're in a desperate situation. And ironically here, we see this next passage, verse 38, next verse. Jesus was in the, in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And Mark here helps us to remember the true humanity of Jesus Christ. Truly man, truly God at the same time. He was very much human, fully human, truly human, exhausted. A storm arises and he's still sleeping. He's knocked out in the boat that's rocking in the raging storm. He's sleeping. And they did something good in the second part of this verse. They woke him and they said to him, in your storms, in our storms, it's always good. Let it be the first thing you do. Come to your master, who's Lord over the storms, who's Lord over all. And as we see in this passage, he's Lord even over nature. He has authority over it all because this is God. Jesus is God. They woke him and they said to him, it's very good. Now what's not good is what they say to him, potentially here, it's a borderline uh, accusation towards the Lord of glory. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care? What's wrong with you? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what's happening? Where are you? What are you doing? I thought you were good. And the irony here is that he's more aware than they are of what's going on. He's more aware of the true problem each of them has. That is, they, had, they were born with a sinful nature and they'll stand before a holy and righteous God, a holy and righteous judge, and they stand condemned. The wrath of God the Father, a true storm, is upon them. He knows what's going on and He knows what He's doing and He cares so much, He entered into this context. He entered into His creation to redeem those who were perishing in their sins. That's the irony. Don't you, don't you see what we're going through? Don't you see that we're going to perish? And Jesus says, I think I see it. Yeah. You're perishing from a lot more than you can understand. But one day you will understand. 
how sin has ruined you, how sin will bring you to destruction, eternal torment. But I came to save you from that. And the first things we have of Jesus in His preaching ministry was repent and believe. And if you don't, you too will perish. In Romans 8, 31-34, I just want to remind us of these verses here from the Lord. We read in Romans 8, 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The Lord is interceding for His elect. Still today, this is happening. He's interceding for us now in our difficulties, in our storms, in our challenges. He's interceding for us. Do you not care that we are perishing? He cares. And He lives forever to intercede for you and for me. In Philippians 4, 6-7, we read, it's a sin to be anxious. Do not be anxious, but cast your cares upon Him. It's good and it's right for us to come in our overwhelming experiences in this life, come quickly to Jesus. Let your prayers be made known to Him. He cares more than you can comprehend and imagine. He really, really does. We understand His love towards us very little, and we need to understand it more. Verse 39, And He awoke, and He rebuked the wind. He didn't rebuke them. He's merciful, He's kind. He didn't rebuke them for this potential false accusation. Don't you care? (laughs) I care way more than you understand. Rather than rebuke them in His mercy and His grace, He rebuked the sea. He rebuked the storm. And He acts decisively here. He says to the sea, Peace, be still. A word from the Lord. a A word from this Jesus. A word from the Lord in the world we know was created with the Word. He spoke and it came into being. And He speaks to His creation and it does whatever He says. The wind, the sea, it doesn't have ears to hear, but it obeyed. It heard. Because it's subject to its Creator. Peace, be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. He's truly God in our midst. No one can calm a storm. No one can control nature but God alone. And this is our Lord. This is Jesus Christ. No mere man. No simple carpenter. God with us. Emmanuel. He calms our storm. He said to them in verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
Perhaps this is the word that many of us should just hang on to today. Fear and faith have a connection. Often, when we're overwhelmed, often when we're fearful, it's evidence of a weak faith, of a withering faith. When one is high, the other is typically low. When you are fearless, typically you have great faith. And the faith comes and goes in the sense if you're not nourishing yourself in the Word of God, if you're not putting yourself in the means of grace that God has given us, if you're not in the Word, if you're not among the people of God, if you're not in prayer, your faith will grow weak. You may have the shield of faith and you may be holding it correctly, but if your faith is not strong, that shield is useless, it's down. And it's not protecting you from the assaults that come towards you in this life. Let us remember to stay nourished, to stay in the Word. Abide in the Word. Abide with the Lord. Be among His people. Let your faith grow strong. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Verse 41 reveals a lot to us as well. They were filled with great fear. Now you and I, looking at this passage today, the first thing that might come to mind is how quick and who would be the first, perhaps, to pull out the smartphone and snap a photo of what just happened. Or to do a quick vlog of sorts, or something like this. Uh, you never believe what just happened. I was on a boat. This guy here, he spoke and the storm calmed. Good night. Can you believe it? i got to go change my trousers now because I think I wet myself. Uh, I'll, t- I'll catch you in the next episode. That's what would happen today. And maybe among them, we might even think perhaps a high five, perhaps a cheer, perhaps a buona notte, good night. Did you see what happened? That was astonishing. But the truth is, we don't get any of that. That's not what happened. They were filled, not with fear, but with great fear. Now, Yahweh is in our midst. God is in my boat. I'm a sinful man. Good night, he's here, trembling. Before they wet their trousers, now they perhaps soiled their trousers, if you know what I mean. Total fear. People in the presence of God die, and they die quickly. Even the Apostle John, in his old age, when he's uh, getting uh, visions from the Lord for the book of Revelation that we have written for us today, he sees Jesus in glory. What does he do? Is he happy? Is he excited? No. He falls to the ground like a dead man. Fear. Our God is holy. Holy, holy. There's nobody like Him. And we all fall short here. We all have this man-sized image of God. We have a very limited comprehension of how vast, how astonishingly powerful and mighty. Thick, dark clouds surround Him. Flames of fire. He speaks a word, the world's form. It's astonishing to us how great and mighty our God is. We don't understand it well enough. John saw the Lord Jesus in glory and he fell to the ground, terrified, dead. And the Lord said in his mercy, stand up, it's okay. I have things to tell you. You have a purpose to fulfill. And my kingdom is expansive. There's many, many more years of of gospel proclamation to go on and this kingdom will continue to grow and is better and greater than you could possibly imagine. Great fear came upon them. No celebration. They're terrorized, rightly so. They understood something this night. In this episode, they understood God a little better. This is no ordinary man. This is God. And it's astonishing, these words that we have recorded from Mark. Who then is this? Who then is this? 
Let that sink in your heart today as well and this week. Be asking yourself as you go through the week, who is my Lord? Who is my Master? Who is my God? You will never exhaust knowing God. Not this side of eternity and not for eternity. We will continually be amazed and astonished at the greatness of our Lord and our God. He's inexhaustible. Who then is this? Be captivated by Him. More than you're captivated by any other passion you have in this life. Be captivated by Him. That's my exhortation for us today. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Six different lessons. If you're one of the people who likes to take notes, you can write these down. Uh, These are things that came to mind as I pondered this passage. Lessons for those of us who want to follow Jesus faithfully all the days that remain for us, faithfully through the storms and challenges of life. Lesson number one to take with you today is that storms reveal our impotence. Storms reveal our impotence, our inabilities, our limitedness. And the sooner we learn that, the better we are. And I reckon many of you guys struggle with this as soldiers because you're authoritative, get-her-done kind of folks. And those of us like that, we struggle because we have control. We need control. We get stuff done and we set the agenda. We call the shots because if we don't, who will, right? Somebody has to do this stuff or we all just wander and do nothing. But the truth is, though we can make good plans and we should make good plans, that we should be determined, that we should be motivated, that we should be energized to do things and do things for the Lord, the results are actually out of our hands. You can do all the right things and have a heart problem and fall dead the next day. You can do, you can be the, and often it happens, the healthiest people around us, those who are very mindful of their, their body and what they eat and this and that, often are the ones who get sick the most or get some rare crazy disease and die young. We should do our best, do it all unto the Lord, but we have to know we're impotent, really. Results are totally out of your hands and my hands. That comes from the Lord according to His will, according to His plan. You can be a total bum and have people talking about you centuries after you're dead because of one thing you did right in your life. It's the world we live in. God is in control of the results, but He's in full control, and He decrees all that comes to pass. So next storm that comes, or next storm, or even the one you're embracing now, lesson one, remember it's there also to reveal your impotence, your need to be united to the Master, to the Lord of all things, who has the plan. Lesson number two, keep right expectations. Keep right expectations. We all know the stories of those who get married young and they're excited and they have expectations of what marriage is and this and that and, and they're excited and love at first sight and they get married 10 days after they meet and all this excitement and then the reality sets in because unfortunately they had wrong expectations about what life is and even what marriage is. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It's a gift from God. It's a wonderful thing. But it's also a primary sanctification device of our Lord and our Master Amen. to shape us, to mold us more into the image of Jesus Christ, to transform us. And so we get along so well, husbands and wives. But at the same time, sometimes we rub each other the wrong way constantly because we're totally different because it's God's design so He can make us better and better and more like Christ to shape us, to mold us. But right expectations are important. And here, it's possible 
these disciples, they have a, an understanding. This is the Messiah. We've seen him do some stuff. He does miracles. He's with us. Perhaps they had expectations. Smooth sailing, so to speak. What could go wrong? The Lord is with us. The Messiah is with us. The wind is behind us, pushing us forward, right? We can think that when we come into the school of Christ, when we begin following after our Lord, we've been against Him all our life. Now we're united to Him. Surely now things will be better. Surely now things will go smooth. Careful of the expectations. There's no smooth sailing for Christians now. Not yet. There will be one day. We look forward to that. We walk by faith now, knowing smooth sailing is coming. Our greatest need has been met. Our sins have been paid for. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased. We belong to the Lord now. But trials and difficulties, the Lord assured us, He promised us, we will still have now. In the world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Be mindful of your expectations. With Jesus, we have salvation. We have forgiveness. We have joy, real joy, unending joy. Rest, we have. Peace, we have. Love, we have. True life, new life. Eternal and abundant life. But it's not over yet. The smooth sailing, not yet. We'll have days where the wind is behind us, absolutely. Maybe weeks, maybe years. But they'll never escape us Difficulties, challenges, trials, and even persecutions. Let's have right expectations. Lesson number two. Perhaps part of their terror was because they had a little bit distorted, distorted expectations. They didn't quite have the big picture of what God was doing. Lesson three. We matter to Jesus Christ. Let's seal this in our heart today as well. You, if you're in Christ, if you're united to Him, you've repented of your sin, you've trusted in Him as Lord and Him alone, God has made you new. You're born again. You have eternal life. You matter to Jesus Christ more than you can comprehend. You're important. None of us are more or less important than the other. We all play a unique role in His kingdom. A unique purpose you have. My note here is still in Italian. It says, attenzione, attention. Never accuse God in your difficulty, in your trial, in your challenge today. Be mindful of the temptation to accuse God. Don't you care? We're perishing. Don't you see what's happening to me? Lord, don't accuse Him in your difficulty. 1 Peter 2, 23, we read Peter telling us of the Lord Jesus Christ, when He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. But He continued doing what? Entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. Entrusting Himself to God the Father. In your challenge today, in your difficulty, or the one to come next week, remember, you need to entrust yourself to your Maker. You matter to Him. He has a plan. He's in this. Romans 5, 6-8, we we, we learn how, how we matter to Jesus Christ, that while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He demonstrates His own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for you. The gospel itself shows us the love of God for us. Many today, I was talking with a neighbor not long ago, he says, God is so good, why doesn't he do something in this world? I mean, look at what's going on. There's 
There's, this was before the pandemic even. This was like a year ago, I guess. Look what's going on, this guy says. All these terrible things, these wars, these people suffering and dying, and people don't have paychecks and all the rest. Why doesn't he do something? What was this guy missing? God did do something. He stepped into his creation. He went to the cross. And that speaks volumes. That's everything. We matter to Jesus Christ. And he acted for us. We read already, he intercedes for you and for me if we're in Christ. He's living to intercede for us. Lesson four as we close out today. Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Some of us have it more. Some of us have it less. We all experience it. Unless, perhaps, we're the blessed uh, ignorant. Or what's the saying? The uh, blessed are the... Maybe that's not a blessing. It's, it's, it's ignorant. Ignorant. Ignorance is bliss. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Ignorance is bliss. In a real sense, it is. The less you watch the news, the happier your life is. But you have no clue what's going on in the world. Fear and anxiety are real. And uh, maybe, if your fear and anxiety is overwhelming today, maybe... It has to do with a lack of faith or misplaced affections. Fear and faith, they go hand in hand. Or you could be overwhelmed because you're doing things perhaps the Lord never called you to do. Or your affections are in the wrong place. Rather than be satisfied in Christ and Him alone, He's everything to you. He's your treasure. Rather than that, other things have taken His place and they bring you meaning and purpose. They call this idolatry. But this is, uh, this is a common problem. Misplaced affections could be the result of your fear and anxiety. But a great solution in any case when fear, when anxiety comes, when you're overwhelmed, is your help and comfort is knowing your maker better. Knowing God. Studying the attributes of God. Give time to it. All these beautiful attributes of our great God and Savior, Lord, how they all work together perfectly. Astonishing. You have fear and anxiety, look away from your circumstances, look to God and begin studying Him more and you'll find great peace, great comfort coming to you quickly. Lesson five as we close, uh, apply yourself to know Him more. This goes hand in hand, I probably just didn't even need this one. But don't tire of pursuing God. Don't, don't, don't think that's something you already did. Yeah, I already studied, I already looked at it, read the Bible once, okay. <laughs> it's alive, the Bible, and it's, it's food for your soul. Read it daily. Read it every, all the time. Study. Abide in Him. Study Him. He is inexhaustible. And fear God more than all else. Fear Him more than your circumstance. For, fear Him uh, above all things. And live amazed. As you apply yourself to know Him more, just live in constant astonishment at your God. He knows you. He loves you. He calls you by name. He invites you. He cares for you. He sustains you. He keeps you. He fills you. This great God dwells in you. He gives you His Spirit. He empowers you to do what you could not do on your own. He really does. You have a new power within you. You look the same. You taste the same. And as I often say, if a cannibal would bite you, you would, you would taste the same to him. But you are not the same as you were before. You are a new creature in Christ. You have new abilities within you. You can do things you couldn't do before. You can forgive. You can move on. You can press on. You can trust. You can believe. You can walk by faith. You can proclaim the word. You can be a witness. All these things. And lastly, lesson six, if you love him, obey him. If you love him, obey him. We see this in verse 41. The wind and the sea obeyed him. It doesn't even have ears to hear. It obeyed him. 
Sadly, though, we are all very slow to obey. At least I am. Maybe you guys, some are better than others. But typically, with this flesh that we still carry, this unredeemed flesh, we're often slow to obey. We know what's right. We know what we ought to do. We know what we ought not to do. But we start to justify and, and consider, well, maybe, maybe he meant that. You know, maybe nobody's watching. Maybe we're slow to obey. It ought not be that way. To love Jesus, though, is to obey him. They go hand in hand. You can't say you love him and not obey him. You can't obey him and it's not it's without loving him. They go hand in hand. And um, just to consider, how, how is your obedience today? How is it? How is your obedience? Are you slow to obey or to love Jesus today? Or are you quick? The Lord wants you to be quick to obey. He wants you to be quick to love him and to love him for you. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15, 21, you are my friends if you do what I command you. My friends do what I say, Jesus says. How is your obedience today? And consider today, what is overwhelming you? What is overwhelming you more today as we close? A final thought. Are life circumstance overwhelming you today? Or are you more overwhelmed by God himself and his love and kindness towards you today? If you're like me, the circumstances overwhelm you far more than God himself. And that's a terrible thing. Let us all repent and turn from that idea. Let us today find new motivation to be overwhelmed by our great God and Savior. Lord, we thank you now as we pray, as we close, that your word is alive and you, we caught a greater vision of you somehow today. You came into your creation. You walked among us. You lived among us. We're so far from what we ought to be, Lord, but we've received great, great grace and mercy. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord. Thank you for your living word coming to us afresh again today. Seal these truths into our heart. Help us to apply these lessons we learn in this episode, this, this moment in history. Help us to look at our trials and circumstances and anxieties differently today and help us to look at you with greater awe, astonishment and amazement today continue the work you began in us to the glory of your name in jesus name we pray amen if you like the podcast we encourage you now to come on over and join us on the inside if you love jesus christ you love this podcast you love the Italian people, you love the church of Jesus Christ, it's the perfect place for you to meet other people and uh, see and understand more about the Italian culture and what is going on with Practical Missions Cohort in the Italian context. Look forward to seeing you over there. God bless.